गुड मॉर्निंग एवरीबॉडी आई स्निग्ध शर्मा आई एम गोइंग टू प्रेजेंट द हिंदू एडिटोरियल डेटेड फोर्टीन जून 2021. दिस पॉडकास्ट इज फॉर दोज हु डू नॉट हैव टाइम टू रीड न्यूज़पेपर पेपर The analysis of the editorial is given on the last segment of the podcast. Let's get started. Happy preparation. The first article of the day is the world is hardly wired for cyber resilience. Defending civilian targets and infrastructure against rising cyber attack will stress the capability of government this article is written by mk narayan narayanan strings of high profile cyber attacks in recent months has exposed vulnerabilities in the critical infrastructure of even advanced nation this has reinforced the nation the need for improved defenses against actual and potential cyber attacks by all countries across continents america under attack several high profile cyber attacks was reported from the united states during the past several months towards the end of 2020 for instance a major cyber attack headlined solar winds and believed to have been sponsored from russia had rocked the us it involved data breaching across several wings of the us government including defense energy and state before the us could even recover from this breach thousands of us organizations were hacked in early 2021 in an unusually aggressive cyber attack by a chinese group hafnium which has exploited serious flaws in microsoft software thus gaining remote control over affected systems in quick succession thereafter the us has witnessed three more major attacks an audacious ransomware attack by russia east europe based cyber criminals tied dark side on colonial pipeline which is a main supplier of oil to the us east coast compelling the company temporarily shut down operations the siege was lifted after colonial pipeline paid out several million dollars as ransom to unlock its computers and release its files there are reports of the ransom being received in bitcoins which was later seized by the us government another russia backed group nobelium next launched a phishing attack on 3000 email accounts targeting usaid and several other organizations us aid Early this month JBS SA the US subsidiary of Brazilian meat meat processing co- company was a target of a ransomware attack the company also paid a ransom in millions now civilian targets these attacks were all primarily on civilian targets through each one was of critical importance Obviously cyber which is often referred to as the fifth domain the dimension of warfare is now largely being employed against civilian targets bringing the war into our homes most nations have been concerting till date mainly on erecting cyber defenses to protect the military and strategic targets but this will now need to change the obsession of military cyber defenses against software vulnerabilities referred to as zero day that had the capability to cripple a system and could lie undetected for a long time the most celebrated zero day software of this kind 
to date is Stuxnet, which almost crippled Iranian's uranium enrichment program some years back. Today, other zero-day software no doubt exist. Though little is known about them, what is, however, evident is that a whole new market currently exists for zero-day software outside the military domain and the world must prepare for this eventuality. Defending civilian targets and more so critical infrastructure against cyber attacks such as ransomware and phishing, including spare phishing, apart from unknown zero-day software, is almost certain to stretch the capability and resources of governments across the globe, somewhat in the manner that nations have been forced to find the resources and the methods to deal with the COVID-19 pandemic. One related problem is that the distinction between military and civilian targets is increasingly getting erased and the consequences of this could be inter- indeterminate. For instance, the 2012 cyber attack on Aramco employing the Shamoon virus, which wiped out the memories of the 30,000 computers of the Saudi Aramco Oil Corporation, has ever since been one reason for the very frost relations between different countries in West Asia and the Gulf region. Cyber warfare is replete with several damaging methodologies. In the civilian domain, two key manifestations of the cat and the mouse game of cyber warfare today are ransomware and phishing, including spear phishing. Ransomware attacks have skyrocketed with demands and payments going into multi-millions of dollars. India figures prominently in the list, being one of the most affected. Also experts believe that of late, the recovery cost from the impact of ransomware attack in India, for example, has tripled. And mid-sized companies, in particular, today face a catastrophic situation if attacked and may even have to cease operations. Thus, the need to be aware of the nature of the cyber threat to the business and take adequate precautionary measures has become extremely vital. Banking and financial services were most prone to ransomware attacks till date, but oil, electricity, grids and lately, healthcare have begun to figure prominently. Zeroing in the healthcare What is especially worrisome at this time when a pandemic is raging is the number of cyber attacks on the healthcare system. With the data becoming a vital element in today's world, personal information has become a vital commodity. One of the more vulnerable areas where data tends to be linked to a specific individual is in healthcare. Compromised health information is proving to be a vital commodity to be used by cyber criminals. All indications are that cyber criminals are increasingly targeting a nation's healthcare system and trying to gain access to patients' data. The available data aggravates the risk not only to the individual but also to the entire communities. It would be a mistake to believe that we can hope for a respite from cyber attacks such as ransomware and phishing. Cyber criminals are becoming more sophisticated and are now engaged in stealing sensitive data in targeted computers. The next article of the day is Higher Education in Kerala needs a new chapter. 
There are many tasks LDF government must take note of in its focus to transform the state into a knowledge society. This article is written by M. A. Oman. The recent election manifesto of the Left Democratic Front government of Kerala opens with the assertion we are entering a new phase in rebuilding Kerala and promises to usher in a sustainable development model. Higher education is undoubtedly the critical dynamic to trigger creative transformation in a society. The budget speech on January 15, 2021, the last budget of the previous government and the revised budget of June 4, first budget of the new government. In the Legislative Assembly, reiterate the government's resolve to rapidly transform Kerala into a knowledge economy and society. The new budget announced that the government will appoint a high power commission to examine and reorganize the education system of the state. The restructuring higher education is much needed step in Kerala's transformation into a knowledge society. I raise three issues for discussion, decades of unplanned linear expansion, declining quality and compromise with mediocrity and widening inequality in economic and social opportunities. Expansion of Colleges 1. The linear expansion of arts and science colleges and even professional colleges independently of the needs of the economy, especially during the last 30 years coincides with the accelerated flow of the foreign remittances since the economic reform in of 1991. With no prudent policy to channelize these resources for productive purposes, education proves to be proved to be a lucrative investment candidate for many, including powerful social groups. Following the direct payment agreement with aided private colleges in September 1972, the state took the responsibility of paying the salaries of teachers and non-teaching staff besides providing maintenance grants. With no effective social control on teachers' appointments, donations, capital, uh, capitation fees and several corrupt practices increased vitiating the academic environment and goals. Arts and Science Colleges affiliated to universities increased from 172 to 9 in 1991 to 958 in 2020, a 5.5 times growth. Of these 476, or nearly 50% are self-financing colleges. Instructively, out of the 1.37 lakh students enrolled in these colleges for BA course, English Economics and History alone account for 61% and total enrollment in 2020. Again, 69% of the MA courses are in these three subjects. Similarly, for BSc courses, Mathematics and Physics alone account for 41.3% of the 1.05 lakh students enrolled. Over 40% of those who are enrolled for MSc take these two subjects. These linear reproductions could be the expression of the helplessness of a student community with no alternative options before them. Can we confidently say that higher education in Kerala fulfills the dreams of the youth to become great scientists, entrepreneurs, economists, scholars and others? This does not ignore the fact that a student politics has groomed a generation of proven political leaders. Relevance and quality 2. The linear reproduction of traditional courses in the universities raises the fundamental foundational questions of relevance and quality. Surprisingly, no political pa party posited this issue as important. No one probably wants Kerala among the top 100 universities of the world or entertains such high hopes. Indeed, higher education has an important instrument 
instrumental and intrinsic role to play equipped with no life skills or employability capabilities the rapid progression of higher education can only swell the ranks of the unemployed the expansion of liberal arts and sciences has not significantly promoted better public reasoning open ended discussions better gender justice and nourished high democratic values all branches of higher education includes a technical uh, education now work for the rapid progression of higher education can only swell the ranks of the unemployed the expansion of liberal arts and sciences has not significantly promoted better public reasoning open ended discussions better gender justice and nourished high democratic values all branches of higher education includes a technical education now work on a self financing mode in kerala there are only 19 autonomous colleges there is opposition from teachers and students to this idea a good autonomous educational institutions demands high quality curriculum syllabus pedagogy and research as a first professor at dr john mathai center of the calicut university i can confidently testify that dedicated teamwork with a well designed curriculum and syllabus exercise books project work seminars objectives in internal assessment and student evaluation can produce outstanding students how the project was abandoned can provide many lessons mediocrity can never be the essence of change today that 26% of teachers in the arts and science colleges of kerala fall in the category of guest lecturers is only an affirmation of mediocrity mending and reforming the current situation are a great challenge the present government has announced a target to double the gross enrollment enrollment ratio 18 to 23 from 37% at present to 75% in the next 5 years this is a goal to be pursued with great planning many a rich and middle class of kerala including non resident indians send their votes outside given the powerful vested interest in the educational setup and disorientation that exists a critique of the epistemological foundations of the existing model is a desideratum issue of commercialization 3 the growing commercialization of education in kerala has deeply eroded the state's egalitarian narrative of the past and weakened the scope for enhancing equality of opportunity the growing inequality in the distribution of assets income and consumption of households in kerala a well documented phenomenon has considered excavated the situation of the scheduled caste scheduled tribes fisher folk plantation labor and other vulnerable groups the self financing colleges in engineering medical dental nursing and pharmacy colleges have virtually priced out raised out um sizable proportion of these uh, categories the growing digital divide under the pandemic dispensation affect these groups more than others the csts who did not significantly participate in the gulf boom phase the double vehemy of farm uh, marginalization women's unemployment rate kerala can take pride in the fact that out of the 3.32 lakh students in the arts and science colleges in 2019 to 20 67.7% are girls and 57.2 of the teachers are women Even so the labor force participation rate is low and the unemployment rate of women is very high in Kerala 
For example, according to the Periodic Labour Force Survey of the Government of India, the unemployment rate among females in rural Kerala is 57.8% as against 13.8% in India as whole. Judging from the larger perspective of democracy and social justice, Kerala's women do not play a critical agency role in the transformation of its economy, society and polity. To conclude, the revised budget reaffirms the resolve of the present Kerala, present government to build a new Kerala based on a knowledge society. Several steps such as K-Phone, Kerala Fiber Op- Optic Network and KDS, Kerala Development and Innovation Strategic Council, Knowledge Economy Mission and many others in the pipeline demand dedicated teamwork. Collective rethinking of the stakeholders, academics and policy decision makers is a critical need. The next article of the day is Censorship by Noise from the reader's editor A.S. Paneer Selwan. The act of delegitimizing professional journalism undermines news media's status as the fourth state. For nearly two decades, I have been concurrently looking at the annual Reuters Memorial Lecture delivered at the Reuters Institute for the Study of Journalism, University of Oxford, and the Pulitzer Prizes for Journalism administered by Columbia University. While the prizes represent the best practices in reinforming the public, the lecture deals with the critical issue facing the news industry and is delivered by someone at the highest level of journalism. The concurrent reading, in a sense, becomes from a form of sought analysis. The lectures and prizes give insight into the current status of journalism and provides valuable clues on navigating its choppy waters. The vulnerability of journalism. It is disheartening to record that this year both the Reuters Memorial Lecture and the Pulitzer Prizes have become veritable documents of the vulnerability of journalism. In April 2020, Nanja Dros wrote a long-form report in the California Sunday Magazine's title when can we really rest? It was on migrants crossing the Colombia-Panama borders, which is said to be one of the most dangerous journeys in the world, to reach the US. On June 11, 2021, Mr. Drost, a freelance writer, was awarded the Pulitzer Prize for feature writing for her article, which the Pulitzer Committee described as a brave and gripping account of global migration that documents a group's journey on foot through the Darien Gap, one of the most dangerous migrants' routes in the world. The tragedy is that the California Sunday magazine no longer exists. Last June, it stopped its print edition, and as the COVID-19 pandemic continued to take its toll, the magazine stopped publishing online and posting on social media at the end of September. Kristen Hare of Pointer pointed out at the historic significance of this development. She wrote, at least in the last 10 years, this is the first example we can find of a publication closing before it won a Pulitzer. Pulitzer. She also pointed out that in the US, during the pandemic, more than 75 newsrooms closed, including some that were more than 100 years old. This pandemic-induced bloodbath in journalism is evident in India too. If the Pulitzer Prize has gone to a defunct publication that was dedicated to long-form journalism, the Reuters Memorial Lecture brought out the multiple pressure faced by journalists in pursuing their vocation in a free and independent manner. 
On June 8th, Brazilian journalist Patricia Campos Melo delivered the annual lecture drawing from her series of investigative pieces on the rise of disinformation in Brazil. While the focus of her talk was Brazil, it was impossible not to draw parallels with what we are witnessing in India. She said, lies are the foundation of the health tragedy we are going through and lies are the cornerstone of our incoming political disaster. Professional journalism is one of the largest barriers against the collapse of democracy in Brazil and in many other countries struggling with the avalanche of lies. Meticulously checked information, careful and balanced reporting and in-depth investigation are the only hope to bring back reality to many countries where facts became malleable and often secondary to opinions and beliefs. Fudging data. This is true in India too. We have seen gross under the reporting of the rate of COVID-19 infections and mortality. We have seen numbers including on the availability of vaccines being fudged. We are in unenviable positions where the union government has issued a directive asking the states not to divulge the details about the vaccine stock in hand as these details are sensitive information. Ms. Mello pointed out that today. The muzzling of the press has taken on a different hoe. She called it censorship by noise and defamation. It is a trade that has been normalized in India. She said censorship in this new world doesn't require the suppression of information. On the one hand, populist leaders flood social media, messaging apps and the internet in general with the version of facts they want to prevail so that it drowns out investigations and negative news. It's the so-called censorship by noise. Then for that manipulation of public opinion to succeed, these digital populist leaders need to delegitimize professional journalism. The act of delegitimizing professional journalism undermines news media status as the fourth state and denies it the crucial watchdog role. This blatant institutional capture not only ruptures our democratic fabric but also irreparably irreparably damages it